On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most inspired visionaries on the planet in lighthearted, lively dialogue. Join us as we explore the expansive nature of reality in a down-to-earth way, offering you insights and tools, empowering you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Now, here's your host, Christine Upchurch. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm so grateful you're joining us here today. You might be listening live here in the Seattle area on 1150 AM KKNW, anywhere around the world live on Transformation Talk Radio, or after the fact on ChristineUpchurch.com or one of the 50 different podcasts the show ends up. But wherever and whenever, you're going to be grateful you joined us because we're going to be talking about something we've never really talked about before. And I'm just going to leave it with that teaser for now and say good morning to Mr. Benny Mathers, who does the technological magic so you can hear these wonderful conversations. Good morning, Benny. I'm curious because, I mean, I pretty much know everything. So this you is do? the Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what can there be left not, you know, that I need to know? Well, it's funny because my 24-year-old says he knows everything, too. So you guys should we're get together same, sometime. Yeah, we're in the same boat. That would be a battle of wits. <laughs> I definitely want to be there. <laughs> Oh, I'm so grateful. We've got a guest today who has been on a couple of times before. And it's funny, I was having a, a New Year's Eve Eve gathering to set intentions and had some very conscious women in my home. And we were just chatting and having a great time. And somebody said, after all these years of doing this show, I guess I'm in my seventh year now, um, who, who was your favorite guest? And it's like, I had this short list. And our guest today was on that short list. And the person I'm talking about is Dr. Robert Foreman. Robert has devoted his life, both personally and professionally, to the sense of what many have described as being called to something greater than ourselves. He's got a Ph.D. from Columbia University, an honorary doctorate from Sweden's Lund University in comparative religion. He specializes in the nature of spiritual experiences. He became a tenured professor of religion at the City University of New York and um, he's gone through a lot of long-term spiritual shifts himself, and he's become more interested in the transformative power of practice and direct experience rather than theory. He's got, get this, 50 years of daily meditation, and he's done yearly solo retreats. Dr. Foreman has worked with and been a hospital chaplain, a spiritual counselor for thousands of people who are serious about their spiritual lives. He's authored 11 books, 40-plus articles on the spiritual life and experiences, including the book Mysticism, Mind, Consciousness, and Enlightenment 8, What It's Cracked Up to Be. Um, he's founded several programs, and he's currently writing a book on the role of community in spiritual transformation. It's just us, finding meaning and connection with that whole God thing. And today, we're going to be talking about forging spirituality in the we— I'd like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Robert Foreman. Hi, Robert. Hi. Well, thank you for that amazing introduction. I didn't know that was me. <laughs> it's kind of funny how that goes with life, you know. I, I, I was just submitting um, a bio for this retreat I'm going on, and it's like, I sound like about three different people, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Robert, um, I have to tell you that I'm, I'm very drawn to this topic because I think that our next stage of evolution, bringing spiritual consciousness onto our planet and integrating it, is to, as individuals, integrate it more into our daily life, but also to connect through action and um, 
sort of community. But it does bring up a little fear for me because having been raised in a religious household and, and being exposed to a lot of dogma within that concept, connecting spiritually with others kind of worries me a little bit. What drew you to this topic? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, as you said in your little introduction, um, I've been practicing meditation for half a century. Mm-hmm. And it's been a great boon for my life. It's really transformed my life, and I feel incredibly grateful for the teachers that I had to teach me how to do it and, and just to the time I've spent on it. And as you say, I've, you know, I've done all kinds of solo retreats. About three years ago, um, a friend took me to a, um, a church, uh-huh. and um, it was uh, somebody was being installed as a priest, and and um, I found that the service was, you know, sort of typically Christian service, uh-huh. and uh, I was not drawn to it. But at some point, I realized that if I if I dropped the thought about it's about God, mm-hmm. and I dropped the thought about Jesus, whether he was God or not, or whether he was the Son of God, and I dropped all the sort of, you know, what struck me then as the sort of mythology of the thing. What do I have left? Uh And what I realized is I have these people, just us. It's just human beings. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that it was human beings that wrote the stuff, and human beings that wrote the songs, and human beings that have developed these rituals, and human beings that have done all of this work. And I found it just very inspiring to think that these were just people, just like me, just like you. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we began to sing together a song called um, uh, Pray With Us, and um, I found the music just really beautiful. And at some point, when I realized that there are these other people here that can really help help one another and mm-hmm. help me, uh-huh. I began to weep, Christine, just uh-huh. really cry and cry and cry. And so I went back the following week, and I and it happened again that I found myself just weeping again. Interesting. And so I've gotten very interested. That's gone on now. I've been going to church um, whenever I'm in town. I go to church. It's been about three years, uh-huh. and much to my amazement, I'm continuing to weep every time I go. And I think what's happening for me is that I'm realizing that I have been carrying the ball of spiritual development. Mm-hmm. and carrying the ball of my own professional life and carrying the ball of making all my relationships right and carrying the ball of all of my, you know, like marriage work and all the psychotherapy I've done. Mm-hmm. And I began to realize there are other people that can also help and help one another and maybe help me and that I can help them. Right. And so once I've realized that there are other people in the story of my own spiritual life and that I can count on other people, to, to help me and that I can help them, something new has been developing. And um, just because uh, of uh, the way you introduce your show has the word science in it, I've done a fair amount of research about how relationships like this or singing together or working together can mm-hmm. actually help. And there's a new kind of study out called hyperscanning. And hyperscanning looks at two or three or four or as many as 12 brains at the same time and lo and behold, when we do something together with other people, our brains start to be coherent one with another. Uh-huh. That and entrainment, that just, yes. Th- that has just stunned me. And it's, it's you know, I, I, I've known for a long time about something called mirror neurons. This is a whole other matter. This is like when, you know, like the, the peaks and troughs 
of my own brain functioning start to match the peaks and troughs of your brain functioning. Uh-huh. And if the audience who's listening to us is, is uh, paying you know, any kind of attention at all, lo and behold, the peaks and troughs of their brain activity starts okay. to match yours and mine. And so what happens is that, that there's something new that happens in a spiritual life and in a life when we actually work with others. And that's been stunning to me, absolutely stunning. It was something I didn't know about. It was something I haven't really read about. And I have found this to be a very meaningful, moving kind of addition to my life. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I'm working with other people in ways I never did. And it's, it's, it's really an addition that I think we on the spiritual path um, have kind of missed out on. We've, we've, you know, we've all been so wary of working with others. Yeah. And then to answer your question, this is a long answer to a short question, but to answer your question uh, about, you know, must we take on the whole belief system of other people? I think there's a baby here, and we can toss the bathwater and keep the baby. Mm, and that's, I yeah, think, the challenge like in that. front of us. Right, how do we right. how do we keep the baby of actually working with others and developing our lives with other people and having brains that are integrated with other people and yet not have to take on the the not have to drink the Kool Aid of a common belief system or the cult or you know dressing like others or acting just like others and I think that's possible and I think you and I should keep talking about that. Well, you know, um, when you talk about the science of hyperscanning, it, it somehow it doesn't surprise me because um, as somebody who's taught healing and been a, a subject of scientific research and researchers actually looked at what happened in the room as we train people to do energy mm-hmm. healing, um, mm-hmm. there's a certain kind of entrainment that happens. And I mm-hmm. guess with something like going to a church, um, my question is, do you have to be really careful about the community you gather with because if if, sure. if your brain and and probably more than your brain there's probably going to be aspects of the light and energy in, in you know the the entirety of you including probably your heart um mm. is do you need to be careful about who you're in training with no of course um if uh, you know it's like i've been to a fair number of churches not a ton but a uh, fair number of uh, churches if i've been you know if i go to a church in which everybody is really expecting everybody else to act exactly like them and think exactly like them, Uh that's going to be incredibly off-putting to me, and I think to our listeners. But if you go to a church where there's really a kind of open-mindedness as to, you know, what it it takes, and you get to have your own beliefs in a way that's going to work for you, and that nobody's going to demand that you think like them, Uh I think that it becomes possible to be involved in one of these things. And to and to generate all kinds of uh, connection and love and and entrainment in your word, I think it's possible to develop that and not to have, not to have to swallow the Kool Aid together. Right. I think you can you can find the baby, and you can be careful with the bathwater, but you do have to be careful as to who you're going to hang out with. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, you talked about um, crying in in this community gathering. I I have to admit uh, that. Every year I go to the Northwest Boys Choir. Um, it's um, lessons and um, and music, you know, hymns. Lessons and carols. Lessons and, lessons and carols. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the lessons, some of the lessons make me cringe a little, and some of the lyrics yeah. um, sound like they, they sound really antiquated and really mm-hmm. narrow-minded, and yet I will shift by the music, I'll shift by the, the gathering, and I will often cry as well. Yeah. 
I think that I think that happens, and it also happens to me when I go to a good concert. Uh-huh. It happens to me when I see a good ballet. Right. At this point, um, when I think about a church, it's interesting. one of the things that's interesting is uh, these studies have shown that uh, when people sing together or play guitar together, uh-huh. um, that uh, some of this uh, some of this hyperbrain effect, this, this brains functioning together, can happen. When I think about a church, um, you sing together. Uh-huh. You say some words together. Uh-huh. You walk together sometimes. You touch one another and make eye contact in right. certain churches. Right. Um, you have smells that you all smell at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, if you you know if you do the uh, the communion thing, the uh, what's it called sure. Eucharist, uh-huh. um, you're eating together. And I think it's it's like you're taking all of your senses and you're working with others or you know, or, or flowing with others. Um, and I think that. I think it's very powerful. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I agree when I go to a good concert, uh, lessons and carols or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I, I find that there's something that happens. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, it's quite remarkable. And it's not what you get from meditation. That's the interesting thing. Mm. This is a fascinating conversation. We have to go to a quick break, but stay tuned for more. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Are you ready to finally feel empowered and knowledgeable in your political stance? Let Marsha Padilla Goad educate you on exactly how important grassroots advocacy is in a relatable way to all perspectives. Tune in to Grassroots Advocacy Radio with Marsha every first Tuesday of the month at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Visit DynamicsInPublicAffairs.com. What is holding you back from living the life you are meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com.
On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Christine Uptrich Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. That is the wonderful Michael Tomlinson. His music is fabulous. He's been a guest on the show. If you are interested in learning more about his music, go to michaeltomlinson.com. Have we reached out to him? Are we going to bring him back? Yeah, but he's he's trying to time it okay. when his new meditation series is So he complete. is coming up with some new work. He is. Yes, yes, and he came out with Christmas music. So it's yes, me being investigated. <laughs> Being the producer that I am. <laughs> I'm so grateful that Dr. Robert Foreman is here today. And Robert, I'm I'm a little curious, a little surprised, and, and also um, kind of excited about your new direction. So um, when, when you started going to this church and you kind of let go of the dogma, you said you didn't drink the Kool-Aid, um, how has it shifted your spiritual connection? That's an interesting question. Um, I would say uh, in two different ways. First of all, my sense of what it is to be a spiritual being Mm -hmm. has been uh, changed or is changing. And that is in the past, you know, I would would look to the sense of the expanse of my life or the the spiritual expandedness. I, I like to call it the vastness. Right, right. And there's a sense that I have and talked about in my last book, Enlightenment, and what it's cracked up to being, there's a sense that I have of being um, one with a kind of continuous energy, and that's been a wonderful part of my life, and I'm mm. very appreciative of it. Um, but what's happened now is that I have a sense that there's more than me in this vastness. There's something about the, the expanse that I can kind of count on and lean on now, so that it's it's, I don't I don't use a word like God for it, and I don't quite know how to talk about this, but mm-hmm. there's a sense that I have that I can say, help, because I certainly need some help sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there's a, sense that I, there, there, there's a sense that I have that, that when I say help, something happens or something comes, and that it's been important to me. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful addition to my life. So that's the first way that this has affected my life, in the sense that I'm not carrying the ball on my own that I can count not only on other people, but on something of this spiritual energy to sort of support us or support me. Mm-hmm. So that's the first piece. The second piece is I find myself much more emotionally accessible, both to me and to others. I sent you, and I think you put up someplace, but I sent you a picture of me with my granddaughter. Her name yes, is Phoebe. Yes, and it will and be, it'll be, that picture will be with the replay on ChristineUptrush.com later. So, wonderful. Yeah, it's a, wonderful. an adorable picture. And, and the reason I sent it to you is that that kind of captures what my life is becoming now, uh-huh. which is there's a sense that I can just love her and love some of my my other grandchildren and and love some other people in a way that, you know, it's easy. I, I read this a lot. It's very easy to love humanity. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to love everybody in the world. It's much harder to actually open yourself up to other people. Yes. And I find that by being with other people in this spiritual context, I find that I'm not quite so defended anymore. I'm not quite so resistant to the idea that there are other people that can enter into my 
spiritual life. So it's it's been a real boon, and and I'm almost embarrassed to talk about it because there's something real vulnerable here. Right. In and that you know, it's like this is the tender part of my life. Of just I've had to learn how to trust, and I've had to learn how to trust individual human beings, and that's been scary work. Oh, you know, it's been scary to do it, but it's it's I think. I think these church experiences have, have helped me open up a little bit to, you know, to being trusting and to being more vulnerable. And I don't know. It, this is hard to talk about, but I'm sure you get it. And Brene Brown's research has shown that uh, vulnerability is key to connection. And mm-hmm. I, I understand that that is true when connecting with other humans or perhaps, you know, with animals as well. But perhaps it's an important part of our spiritual connection as well. And I think that, well, I can't speak for everybody that's your listener, but I can speak for me, in that my spiritual life has really been very intense and very devoted to developing this sense of connection to what is larger. Uh But it's not been able, I have not known how to include others. And, And I think the work of including others, not just, passively like, oh, yeah, we're kind of walking down the path together, Uh or not quite sort of tentatively the way, you know, I think a lot of us are, but I think really kind of opening up to other people. That's been kind of left out of our spiritual lives, at Uh least the way I've I've been living it. And so this this business has been going on for me in the church and counting on other people to be there to help and maybe helping others. Uh-huh. You know, it's like that's been a huge addition to my life and, and very different than what I got from my, from my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Robert, I think that there are a lot of people right now who've been on their psycho-spiritual journeys for decades, and they're kind of hitting the wall, partly because of the, the chaos that is, you know, that we're confronted with in the news, of things that are going on in our country and in the, in the world. But I think that there's also an aspect of, like, been there, done that over and over again, and learned the various things in different ways, and they're still not feeling as connected as they want to feel. Yeah, I think so, too. And I know a lot of people, uh, you know, when I've taught meditation classes and uh-huh. taught, you know, sort of advanced meditation classes, a lot of people have said, oh, it's relationships where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the relationships where it's really hard. Right. And I think that we've done, I, let me, again, speak for me. I know that I've done relationships as like, oh, well, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to work on my relationship now as part of my practice. You know, and it's like, that's been, you know, a very difficult part of the path. Yeah. And I find that being willing to be humble enough to recognize it's not all about me and my own spiritual practice, but it's about all of us. And it's not only just me in my, you know, in my meditation chamber, but I'm really willing and able to trust enough to be out there with some other folks mm-hmm. and to be, you know, willing to help other folks in their, in their lives. It's been a surprising addition to me. It's very funny. You know, it's like you'd think that's what we were all developing, but I think truth be told, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not what we've been doing. We've been, you know, I mean, you think about meditation. You know, you sit with your eyes closed uh-huh. or you sit with your eyes downcast in Zen Buddhism, you know, and you're you're really not dealing with anybody else. And if you deal with anybody else, it's sort of an afterthought, you know, at meals, yes, on yes. a retreat or whatnot, you know. But the idea that you're actually going to do this with others, I don't know, it, it takes, a, frankly, it takes a certain amount of courage. You know, you have to say, oh, 
I'm really willing to put my own wishes and my own needs kind of on hold mm-hmm. and see what this other guy needs or this other woman needs. You know, and so it's, it's a different kind of thing. I'm very, but I do want to come back to the question of how to do this without swallowing the Kool-Aid. So mm-hmm. let's not, let's, let's push pin that one. I definitely want to deal with that one some more. Okay, so, so I think in terms of um, many of our experiences within the context of religion in particular, and even within some spiritual circles, many of us have felt judgment. I've felt judgment in a variety of ways. I've seen judgment and, and heard from clients about that kind of judgment. So how do you get yourself into a situation where you can let go, which is a very powerful thing to be able to do, to be vulnerable, to be able to lean on others, and not let that kind of judgment in? Oh, good question. Wow. Um, first of all, let me say that the, at the fairly liberal church that I've been going to recently, uh-huh. um, people don't tend to judge you quite so much. You know, it's like the people recognize there's all these different takes on this religious life. Uh-huh. I think, I, you know, one of the things you said earlier on in the conversation is that you have to, you know, we have to find the right group the right people to hang out with, mm-hmm. that if you're going to find people that are very much all have, having to be the same and do it the same way, I think there's a lot of judgment there. If you can find a good gang to hang out with, I, I don't think that. that judgment is quite the, quite the problem. Um, I, I love that, but, a good gang. <laughs> yeah, right. Or a good posse, as I like If you can find a good posse. Um, uh. <laughs> um, but judgment is hard, you know, mm-hmm. and all I can say is that when I feel judged, which I do, obviously, mm-hmm. It's hard, and I have to say, ouch, to myself, if not to them. Right. And, you know, it's like if we say, ouch, or that, you know, that was, some people say that disrespected me. You know, it's like, oh, God, we don't need to make it the other guy's fault. But right. we can say to ourselves, that would hurt, mm-hmm. you know, and, and ouch, and I'm, or it made me afraid. You know, it made me afraid maybe I'm not so good. Yeah, and, and really, and so, the, the, it triggers the self-judgment. That's the painful part. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's what we can work with, you know. Yeah. And it's, if it triggers the self-judgment, which, of course, it does, uh-huh. if it triggers the self-judgment, we can say, oh, look what, look what I'm doing here. You know, ouch, that one hurts. Yeah. And, you know, we can continue to grow. I think one of the lessons that I've learned in all of this uh, in the last three years is how much courage it takes to allow other people in because mm. of exactly this fear. Yeah. I'm always afraid that other people are going to do me harm they're going to demand that I think their way or act their way. And I think that, that take, having the courage to say, I'm willing to really open myself up to other people, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's a step both in humility but also in courage. You know, it takes right. courage to be able to say, wow, what are these other people asking and what are these other people saying? And we all have that deep need to be seen, and yet we also have this deep fear of being fully seen. So it's this juxtaposition. Yeah, that's beautifully put. And I think that it's because we have that need to be seen that we're so afraid of allowing ourselves to be seen. Mm-hmm. I oh, so yes. want to be support. It's, I so want to be supported in ways I wasn't as a kid. Uh-huh. I so mm-hmm. want to be seen in ways I wasn't as a kid. So I've developed all of these defenses to like make sure that nobody can see me. Mm-hmm. because I can be hurt, and I, yeah. you know, I can be hurt as I was as a kid. Right. And so it's, that's where the courage comes in, uh-huh. the courage to say, all right, as a kid, this is where I got hurt. Uh-huh. I'm willing to risk it 
because I've lost something in, in, in learning to be as solipsistic as learning to be as solitary as I have, uh, internally solitary as sure. I have. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's exactly right. We long to be seen and we're afraid to be seen. And those two are definitely connected. Mm. Yeah. We have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more with Dr. Robert Foreman. Are you ready for unfiltered gratitude, unfiltered frequency and unfiltered creation? Then don't miss Mike Murphy unfiltered on TransformationTalkRadio.com Thursday from 12 to 2 Pacific time as Mike Murphy and a cast of powerful guests discuss and demonstrate the principles and practices of the creation frequency. Tune in to unleash the power of your mind. Open the immense energy of the heart to manifest an awesome life filled with true health, wealth, confidence, gratitude, and joy. Unfiltered truth and unfiltered frequency to uncover and let go of limiting beliefs and access your powerful intentions that resonate out into the universe with Mike Murphy Unfiltered. For more information on Mike and his work, visit his website at MikeMurphyUnfiltered.com. What are the Planet Pods and Planet Filter Self-Care Alchemy Essences? Our high vibrational essential oils and body butter contain living energies of specialty herbs and essential oils. All our products are created using the energies of nature. Made from flowers and herbs, each blend is then programmed using crystals, sound, color, sacred geometry, and other energies found in nature. Our products have a delicate aroma, and more importantly, they contain the vibrational signature of plants and other energy forms for optimal healing. Check out planetapothecary.shop to add these to your family's self-care and well-being. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. As a former research statistician, my scientific background is what many would call sensible. For more than a decade now, I have been working in the field of energy medicine, facilitating sessions and teaching around the world. People from the mainstream often ask me, how did a sensible woman like you end up working in such an alternative field? Implicit in their question is the underlying assumption that the field of subtle energy, such as energy healing and intuition, isn't sensible. But I believe it is very sensible. Even scientists are able to measure aspects of this. Approaching life from an energetic perspective brings us new opportunity for healing and transformation. And from a practical standpoint, even if you can't rationally explain how something works, if you experience a shift from it, then doesn't it make it pretty sensible? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show here on 1150 AM KKNW Alternative Talk Radio and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. Um, I'm talking to author and, and wise man, uh, Dr. Robert Foreman. And, you know, Robert, I'm fascinated by this whole concept of going from the, the single unit, so to speak, the, the, the individual connection to our spiritual nature staying isolated through things like meditation and, and sort of compartmentalizing in a sense to connecting with others as we experience it, as we explore it. And it, 
I'm, I'm thinking that it kind of parallels what we've done in, here in the United States with families. It's like so many families break apart and move in, in different directions. Kids will grow up and they will go, you know, move across the country, sometimes across the, you know, the, to the other side of the planet, pursuing their jobs. And then when we have children, we don't have family around. And so we're isolated in that sense. And I think about how we, we're no longer, you know, staying in the same town for most people, you know, growing up in the same town and, and, and continuing to have that community and familial support. Um, and, and what kind of effect does that have on us? Wonderful, wonderful issue to be pondering here a little bit. A couple things. Uh, my first thought is that Emil Durkheim wrote a book called Suicide back in the 1900s, I think it was. Wow. Um, and he discovered that people that live in big cities, especially um, cities uh, like in Scandinavia, uh-huh. had a much higher rate of suicide. And he wondered why that was. Right. And what he came up with was, I think, a very good insight, which is when you live in a very complicated city, a cosmopolitan city like Stockholm or um, or uh, Paris or New York, when you live in one of these big complicated cities, you become less and less connected with those around you, and that that's why people were committing suicide. Wow. And I'm finding that uh, I'm not saying that all of us are going to commit suicide, but right. I think that that the, the pressures on us increase when we live in these cosmopolitan cities, as more and more of us do. I know you live in. Seattle, is that correct? Uh, yeah, but I live like 25 miles outside of Seattle um, on an acre next to um, a green belt. So I live in nature. Okay. So it's, it's, right. it's a little different. Lovely. Yeah. But what I'm, you know, it's like what I'm, what I'm discovering is that being in a kind of an urban center, uh-huh. um, being, uh, you know, I used to live outside of New York City, rather like you outside of Seattle. Right. Um, you know, being in a city like that, it's, it's harder and harder to know your neighbors. It's harder and harder to to stay connected with your children. Yeah. And I think that's been that's been part of the difficulty for us. And I think in many ways my spiritual life, practice of meditation, was an adaptation to a life that was in, intrinsically a little lonely. Mm. And one of the things I've discovered since going through this process in the church is that there is really an epidemic of loneliness connected with the way we've been living our lives. Right. Um, more than half of Americans and more than half of Europeans have ex- experienced loneliness or complain about loneliness uh-huh. at, the, at the present time. It's an amazing problem that we're running in. And one of the things that I didn't realize is that loneliness is more important for creating bad health, more responsible for creating bad health uh-huh. than cigarettes. Yes, people isn't that, that are lonely. Fascinating. People that are lonely get more disease and die sooner than people that are not. And that's been a huge discovery for me. It's like, wow, I didn't realize that it's having this kind of effect on us. This is, and this is really hard. And I, I think you said in your introduction, I'm a hospital chaplain. When I see people in the hospital that, are, that have no support or very few, like one family member that comes and the rest are all alienated okay. from them, sure. it breaks my heart to see it. This right. is, these people are really struggling. And I just... It just makes me want to just weep again. You know, it's just so, so painful to see this kind of loneliness in our society. And I think, again, that's, that's another reason I come back to. We need to rebuild that. We need to rediscover how to be in group settings, religious settings, other kind of groups. 
we need to rediscover that. We have lost something incredibly important in our lives, yeah. and it's and we've got to fix it. You know, we've got to do something about it, and we can do it by joining. You know, by by ourselves becoming part of this. We can do it by somehow emphasizing this. If we can stop religious groups from demanding conformity, yes. or if we can join religious groups that don't demand conformity, I think we can begin to answer this epidemic of loneliness that we're all struggling with. Mm-hmm. I think this is incredibly important. Thank you for bringing it up. And, you know, I, I, I think about the issue of loneliness because um, with, you know, two sons who have grown up and, and left home at least part-time, um, I live by myself a good deal of the time. And it's, it's really fulfilling to me to be able to have that space. But I, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert. It's like in public, I, I seem like an extrovert, but I'm really more of an introvert. I, I get refueled being by myself. And yet I have to pay attention to when I'm feeling lonely. And I really have, I've gotten, so I have to honor that by making a phone call, by arranging to meet a friend for dinner, whatever it is. Um, because it, it, it can go, it can easily go from nice alone time to feeling like something's really off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, by the way, I also am an introvert. I also get my energy from being alone. Uh-huh. Um, so I know exactly what you're describing. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, even though we're introverts, or you know, some of our listeners also no doubt are introverts, right. um, nevertheless, I think it's important for us to put ourselves in context where we're actually getting the kind of hyper-brain juice from other people, even if we don't talk much. Frankly, when I go to church, and I I always sit in the back because I'm embarrassed about how much I cry. Um, um, You know, people come up and they introduce themselves to me, and and frankly, I always feel rather shy. It's, you know, it's like this is, it's hard to make that kind of contact. And little by little, I've been making, you know, building relationships there, and little by little, I've been, you know, finding myself getting increasingly connected. Uh, And what I'm talking about is not that kind of, Oh, let's all chatter together. It's not that. It's mm-hmm. just the sense that we can be together in the service of this common, infinite energy. Uh-huh. And that the sense that I can be participating with other people in the context of this greater energy that we all can somehow sense, mm-hmm. I think something miraculous happens there, that I think we can both sense the energy and find ourselves a human being among others. Mm-hmm. and help others and feel like we don't have to carry the ball on our own, be helped. Yeah. So I, th- I think I think there's something here. Even though um, I, like you, am, a, uh, am, am an introvert, a bit of a hermit, uh-huh. I still think that, that there's something wonderful that can happen with, with groups. And yes. this business that I brought up before about the epidemic of loneliness, I think that's no small matter. And even though I'm no, an introvert, even though I tend to, I really enjoy my alone time, I do want to feel connected. Mm-hmm. I do want to know that I don't have to be, I don't have to be alone. I don't have to carry the spiritual energy all on my own. I don't have to make my own way, um, you know, in terms of how I think about things and uh-huh. who I am. So I think I think there's something that we've been missing. And that's, and, and I if kind there's of, a light motif to this conversation, I think that's it. And I kind of wonder if that's one of the reasons why so many people who are spiritual but not religious end up going to lots and lots of um, workshops on spirituality. Yeah. Because that, that, mm-hmm. that group gathering, when you've got somebody who's fairly evolved leading it, can create profound shifts. But it seems to me that the difference between that kind of situation and 
what you're talking about, some sort of organized gathering like a church, is you get different people. Maybe you go with the same friend all the time, but there are going to be a whole bunch of strangers, and they might not be strangers by the end of the, the workshop, but it's going to be a different group of people the next workshop you go to. Yeah, and I think there's something we do. First of all, that's a very good insight. I think what we really get from going to a workshop, and God knows I've both been in them and led them, Sure. what we really get from going to a workshop is we get the sense of being with other human beings and sharing that energy with other people. Mm-hmm. One thing about going to a workshop is when you hear somebody talk or when you hear somebody sing or play music mm-hmm. or, or dance or whatnot, that their brain kind of entrains my brain. Their brain yes. entrains all of us. Uh-huh. And so we kind of start to feel that, that mutual energy, this hyper-brain effect, if you will. Uh-huh. So that's one piece of it. But I think the other piece of it is when we do it in the context of other people, we are feeling something with those other people mm-hmm. from those other people that we just don't get alone. Yes. And I think that's part of the draw that leads us to going to a workshop. Mm-hmm. But the thing about a workshop is you'll never see those people again. Right. And it allows us to retire into our own defended, fear, fearful self in a way that if you see the same people week after week, to some extent it calls something out. You know, it calls you to be a grown-up in a way that going to a workshop allows you to sort of, you know, have the have the great hit, have the good experience uh, real quick, and then have, and then you get to pull away, and you don't have to really take responsibility for these mm, other folks. That's an interesting point. We have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session... Genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. Balance can be restored and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious. Keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs in what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention? perhaps offering a message of some sort? 
As it turns out, numerical patterns in certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality, from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns, designed specifically to support you on your journey. The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Welcome back to the Christine Eptrich Show. That's Michael Tomlinson. He's a wonderful musician here in the Seattle area. His music reaches to people all over the world. You, you can find him at MichaelTomlinson.com. And Robert, this hour is flying by. And, you know, one of the questions I have for you is, let's say that somebody is, has been so mm, traumatized by, the, by their church experience and they really don't want to get, you know, that step, take that step into uh, some sort of organization that's considered to be a church. Is there other ways for us to come together with others and um, sort of get that kind of uh, entrainment, that that hyper scanning connection? Yeah, nice, nice question. It's it's right, of course. Um, you know, it, it, and it depends on what people like to do. I I I myself. Uh, sing in a chorus, a non-religious chorus, uh-huh. uh, and I like to play guitar with other people. So I'm, uh, I find music is a great way for me. Um, I know people do uh, what's it called clog dancing or yes. line dancing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and, and there you're working with other people. I think the military gives this kind of effect sometimes. I know a lot of people in the military talk uh-huh. about a similar sort of uh, sense of being part of a greater energy. Uh-huh. Um, I have a, a one of my clients. Um, is in, is in an archery club, and when they shoot together, he says, there's something magic that happens there. There's all kinds of ways to do this, you know, and, and I think, you know, you described to me at some point that, that you have, um, you've trained people into into some of the um, abilities that you, you are able to teach, and you say something happens in the room. Yes. So that's another one. It's not a specifically religious thing, but I think that if you take it, if you take one of these things, intentionally mm-hmm. to create this kind of group effect. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of the difference. Now, what I've also found is that there's something else that happens when I, when I sing or when I even hear a good choir, uh, chorus um, sing. Um, I find that very beautiful. Yeah, but there's so. something else that happens when we're doing it in the context of the infinite, however we think about it. I don't like the image of God. I don't like the image of Jesus. I don't, you know, it's like that stuff does not work at all for me. That language is really off-putting. But I do find that there's something about being in the situation where we're sort of mutually striving for a greater energy. Uh I think that adds something. You know, it's interesting, Robert. Um, I'm sorry. Um, No, go ahead. In the case of the the scientific research about the the rooms in which we were teaching and people were learning to do this healing work, one of the fascinating things that uh, I think it was Bill Tiller, famous quantum physicist, found is that not only did things change in the room as people went about learning this, as people were connecting through this process, but the, the room itself was altered up to three days before we ever arrived. So it's almost like the universe 
was setting up the energetics or perhaps, you know, because time on some level doesn't exist, you know, there was this, this stamp that was already there, but the room itself changed. And I'm wondering if when we have this intention of, and, and, you know, this, this, this goal of coming together in one way or another, if there's not some sort of unseen support, and it's not just about what happens between our brains, but that we've got some sort of other sort of support there. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. And it's not, you know, this is not something that we can, we can necessarily measure, but we can mm-hmm. certainly feel it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if if you go into a good church, you know, I, when I go into a new church or a new synagogue, I, you know, I just feel it, uh-huh. and I I can almost tell you, you know, has this congregation been active? Have they been really sincere? Have they not? Is there tension here? You can feel this stuff. Right. Excuse me, I can feel this stuff. Some sure. of my friends can feel this stuff. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think there's definitely something that happens there. But I, I think this business about the room changes three days beforehand is yes. really wonderful. It's pretty wild. It's pretty great. wild. Yeah. So I yeah. think about the stage we're at in with a lot of violence and hate crimes and, you know, crazy politics um, and oppression and, you know, the, the horrible things in our world. Do you think people are more afraid of coming together than they once were? I have no way to, I have no way to evaluate that. Uh-huh. Um, I do know that, that um, we're all afraid of coming together. Mm. I think in the old days, people wanted to come together out of a certain kind of safety. Right. But I think that, that there, too, people were afraid. They were afraid of being alone. They were mm-hmm. afraid of coming together in a way that was, you know, was dangerous for them. But I think our listeners have, have so many of us have been burned by, you know, organized religion. Mm-hmm. And so we've all developed this thing called spiritual but not religious, you know, right. Right. where most of our listeners are in that boat. And I think that that is, has been an important uh, adjunct or an important stage that we've gone through. Uh-huh. But being spiritual but not religious leaves out the possibility of community. Mm-hmm. And community adds something to our lives, and it also adds something to our society. And I think that as we have developed our spiritual lives, we've also seen the limits or the, the lacuna that, that those spiritual lives have left for. Right. And so I think, I think many of us, I certainly know other people that are doing this, but I know I am looking for how do I fill the hole that other people used to fill in within, in the religious life without taking on the, the Kool-Aid, without taking on yeah. a belief system that doesn't work for me? Yeah. The way I think about this is that the biblical worldview no longer works for us in our scientific world, but we can have the sense of what is larger, even given our scientific attitudes. Mm-hmm. Even given the fact that we no longer buy that, you know, that there's a guy in the sky who declared, you know, like, let there be light. Sure. It's like that stuff doesn't work for us anymore. But still we can say there is a greater energy than us. Yeah. And there's stuff in the world that we can count on. And as one, well of the, as one, another. one of the beautiful things I saw when I was growing up within the context of, of our family church is the way people would support each other. If there was somebody who was ill, you know, people would show up with meals. Um, if if somebody had a death in their family, you know, people, there would be somebody showing up for quite a while on a regular basis to make sure that that person was um, not feeling isolated in their grief. So I think about that kind of support and, and, and the effect it can have on us, and, and I think it's pretty important. Yeah, I think the thing that I was crying about the very first 
couple times this happened to me was the feeling that there might be other people that could help. Yeah. And and visit when I get sick and right, right. and you know like come to my mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. It's like you know there are other people that can help me carry the ball. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's not all on me and it's not all on my shoulders that I have to do it all. Right. I think that the, and we've lost that and yeah. God knows I've needed it. You know. We and all wouldn't it need be nice it. to have wouldn't it be nice to have the sense that there are other people that can kind of be there with us and yeah. be there for us. It's right. like just so you know, we're a we're a social we're a social species and we are. And, 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 and there's something really important about having somebody to witness us, particularly when we're going yeah. through a hard time that allows yeah. us to move through it. Um, yeah, this is uh-huh. this is a fascinating conversation and, and we have just you know gone through this hour and unfortunately our time is up robert um i'm so grateful that you've been on the show again and i'm looking forward to reading your upcoming book about this well i'm, I'm looking forward to finish writing it <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, before, we, before we sign off let me say christine i really admire what you do oh thank you because what you're what you're doing is you're both helping other people and helping yourself uh-huh. but you're also trying to make contact in real ways with other human beings yeah. And I compliment you for it, even though we're all distant from one another. The idea that we can be talking together and thinking together and growing together and having our brains function together, I think more power to you. I really compliment you for what you do. Well, thank you, and thank you for being a part of this process, and it's it's been a joy having you here. And thank you, listeners, for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. You've been listening to The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey. Each week, this show engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more information about the transformative healing work of Christine, visit www.StellarReflections.com. And for weekly topics, visit www.TransformationTalkRadio.com. Transformation Talk Radio.com.